0: Henry leads the NFL in rushing, obviously was the rushing leader last year as well. And Henry finds the opening, he's got another first down. He has certainly been on a hot streak for Indianapolis. Tennessee is moving football the football, a second and six. Pitch it, Henry, Stiff arm. turns it upfield, slips into the secondary, picks up the first down. Titans in business, swing pass, caught by Henry, turns it upfield, no one's going to stop him. Touchdown, Tennessee!
1: He gets moving like that. It's a locomotive.
0: There has been a change. Derrick Henry, that receiving touchdown, is now a rushing touchdown. Handoff for Henry. And again, Henry to the outside. He's in. Touchdown. Derrick Henry, his second of the day. From that torn ACL against Houston, week six. Down. it's Henry, Derrick Henry,
2: they're winning that
3: battle,
2: up? well why not, give it to him again,
1: look, head off, Henry, weaves through,
0: Henry is in again, touchdown, King Henry has three, crown him.
1: Back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, chilly, quarantined, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is, as always, the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Happy Tuesday. Hope everybody had a lovely holiday, a happy turkey day. A quiet, maybe, Thanksgiving with uh, a little less friends and family than we're used to doing given, given all of the circumstances surrounding this particular holiday season, but I hope you had a good one regardless of how you spent it. I know that we're going to have a lot of good conversations this week as we spend a lot of time talking about the 8-3 Tennessee Titans, what's going on with the Vols, Derek Mason and Vanderbilt got fired, we've got a lot of ground to cover with Joe Rexrode of The Athletic and Emily Proud of WKRN News 2. We'll get to that over the course of today's show. A lot to get to over the course of today's program. But first, a quick word about where you can do some of your holiday shopping. Courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're having their 2020 Built for the Holidays year-end clearance event. which, And I talk to you guys all the time about Two Rivers Ford. And I tell you that you can always, and I don't need to tell you, you know if you know anything about Two Rivers Ford, that you can always get a good price with them because they sell their vehicles at invoice prices. Right now, they're closing out the 2020 model year and making room for the new arrivals in the new year. So it's the best time possible to get an even better deal. You can go to the dealership in Mount Juliet or you can go through the entire car purchasing process online at tworiversford.com. Built for the holidays, year-end clearance event, they'll hook you up. Our good friends at Two Rivers Ford. Let's get to a couple other good friends. Joe Rexrode and Emily Proud. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. Happy December. We are one month away from this godforsaken year of 2020 being over. We are happy to be celebrating that momentous occasion with our friends Emily Proud of WKRN and Joe Rexroad of the Athletic, and Robbie and Rexroad or Rexroad and Robbie on 102.5 The Game, wherever it is that you can get the frequency. Here on the Six One Five Sessions podcast. Hello, friends. Hello, Buck. Nice hat. <laughs> uh, we you can you can compliment my fashion. Um, because you clearly know nothing else about what's going on in the world, that you thought Emily's ear- AirPods were earrings before we started recording.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a gaffe. Now, it's interesting that Emily has never had her ears pierced, and, and I, I understand she, she had a long explanation. You can say that. You can also explain here on the podcast if you like Emily. But it makes me think of my 10-year-old daughter. We had a huge thing, actually for a couple years now, about the ears being pierced, and they are pierced. And I thought, Mike, it should be more like fourteen. But you are now—not that, that I've already lost. <laughs> I've lost a battle, but I could win the war. And now you are an example for me.
0: <laughs> Go to my
1: that you do not need to have your ears pierced. What what does no. it what does it matter to you if, if she's ten or fourteen that she has her ears pierced? What is what is well, the, what is the deal? I, I don't. I mean,
2: I'm not trying to like be a puritan, but you know, I, I feel like
1: uh that seems more like a teenage thing to do right isn't it we uh my mom actually pierced. we're oh by the way we're going to talk about the titans we're going to talk about uh <laughs> yeah, uh Sarah we'll fuller there. the kicker from vanderbilt we have much to discuss uh mike Vrabel hates joe rex road we have many many things to talk about <laughs> you're on the podcast today uh but of course we begin with ear piercing. so my little sister was adopted uh, at about 18 months, and she did not, for the first probably almost three years of her life, have enough hair to discern her as female. So, uh, my mom thought that it might suit her better if we got her ears pierced. She was three years old the first time she got her ears pierced, and then, uh, and then her hair came in, I think, closer to like five or six or something like that, but for those first few years of life, uh, Lily Rising was discerned as female only by her ear piercing. So some people need it, Joe. The full ra- We've got the full range of examples here. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I, this is the, the circle of life right here on the podcast. Emily, you have yet, you have yet to say anything today.
3: <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to cause any beef, but uh, when Rex road turned on Zoom, the first thing he said was, you look different, then didn't explain it, and then thankfully you paused before giving away my age, but right now, Rex Road, we are not off to a to a great start. I'm, I'm still concerned. You never specified whether the different was, like, bad or horrible or okay. Or You said oh, it was honestly. because I was wearing earrings, which yeah. I'm not. So then it, I never really got the explanation. But that's okay. Earrings, you know, I've played sports my whole life, so I was just never able to wear them. I don't mind people that like them, that enjoy them. I just, I don't know, never got around to it, so.
1: This can get a lot worse, too. I mean, let's be clear here. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah. You are, you, we have. Especially you when we even,
3: all get together. I
1: was about to say, Rex Road hasn't even made any uh, sexually inappropriate jokes yet. Uh, but he yes. has commented. You, you, you tip, you're typically the first one to lob the dick joke out there. But it's okay. we got plenty of time. Emily agrees. See, we have. Is we that have true? Oh, 1,000%. Emily.
3: Hmm.
1: I made dick
2: jokes last time? Uh, remind me dude, my, my brain is mush remind me of the dick
1: joke. yeah let's go ahead and call back the dick jokes that's the that's a good way to start the podcast off don't don't do
3: it <laughs> we're having the opposite effect right now where we're creating something out of nothing i think you know it's it's not just i'm not going to say it but it's poop too which <laughs> seems to be
1: an you see issue how confused as I am? well so you're you're confused because you're old and you're doddering, uh, and you uh, you you have brain fog. But who does not have brain fog right now? That's a transition. Are the Tennessee Titans as they uh, as they round into form? They've reclaimed their uh, their seat atop the AFC South. They're back in the postseason. Everybody's happy uh, except for Emily Proud because Joe Rex wrote that she looks different on the Zoom today, uh, and Mike Vrabel apparently who doesn't who's worse when they win with us on the Zoom calls afterwards. So. I guess uh, neither of you went with us to Indianapolis um, and neither of you were forced uh, to, were subjugated to the terrible press box that Lucas Oil Stadium has. It makes me very nauseous every time I'm up there. But the thing that stood out the most from our vantage point and to everybody watching at home, I'm sure, is Derrick Henry is the offensive line uh, with a bunch of parts and dudes that should not play as well as they played and absolutely kicked the Colts' ass on Sunday. And so it goes to a larger point, I guess, where we're looking at this time of year, now officially in December. You know that because I'm wearing a Santa hat. um, And the Derrick Henry season is upon us. But against, I I guess, what's a reasonable expectation? Like, do we think that what they did last year with Derrick is sustainable or repeatable in a way that they kind of have a blueprint for the rest of the season and into the playoffs that you can just ride this dude up for as long as he's physically able to take you there. Rex, you can start.
2: I mean, look, I I think it is their plan. It's the blueprint. It works. It'll probably work pretty well this month. I don't know if it works again in the postseason. Um And obviously they've had injuries, but look, you got to be impressed with how they've been able to deal with some of those, put in different people. And I think in this particular game, I think Derrick Henry's been fantastic all year, whether he's had numbers or not. He's had some games where his defense has not let him have numbers. He would have run for 250 at Cincinnati if the defense didn't screw it up. Right? I think he has been unbelievable all year. At some point it ends, it changes. He slows down. He gets an injury. But the guy is, is unbelievable, and I thought, you know, from my vantage point of watching that game on television, that offensive line was awfully dominant. I thought he had more downhill, you know, three yards before any contact runs than he's had in most games this year.
3: Fuck.
1: Derek, when you're in a game like this early on where it seems like the offense is going to go point for point almost, what, what, kind, of, what kind of pressure do you guys feel in those moments and how did you think the offense responded today?
2: I don't think I don't think there's no pressure. I think we all just focus on us just getting out there finishing drive, uh getting points. And
1: that's always
2: always been always be our focus. And you know, that's what we were, you know, going out there trying to do. Just going out there uh putting drives together, finishing the end zone, give ourselves a chance to win. Of course, DeForest Buckner's missing and all that, you know, and that's a big deal, but I still feel like this offensive line looks like it's surging maybe with this reformed group. David Questenberg to me, guys, I'm blown away. Um, he's a third string tackle. He's a guy, you know, obviously we know the story about David Questenberg in three years of battling cancer, but when I've watched now, rewatched that game and rewatched the end of the Braves game, I, I'm blown away by how you could have a guy like that sit on your bench and perform like he has. Seriously. And then Nate Davis, there's a little more attention on this now. Uh, Dan Orlowski had some breakdown. I think he's turning into like a – I don't know about star, but a really good young offensive lineman. So, look, I mean, they're, they're going to batter some of these people coming up, like the Jags and Lions. Um, and Derrick Henry, frankly, I, I think the MVP is Patrick Mahomes to have and hold, but I think Derrick Henry, if he can get to 2,000, is, is going to have – some mention for that, which is saying something in this league in 2020. Emily, you think you can win it?
3: No, because he's not a quarterback. Um, but I, I do think that I wish that there was a way that you could create a different award, one just for a quarterback and one for Derrick Henry. But I, I still think that if you really, you know, nitpick and, and talk about the award as the most valuable player to a certain team, it's got to be Derrick Henry. I mean, it was very evident when Ryan Tannehill walked his way into the end zone and everybody else went to the other side and he was able to, to go in untouched just because so many people are counting for Derrick Henry. And I mean, it was just crazy. I, I, his first contact was always linebackers. I mean, he was already three, four yards in um, before he hit any contact just because their line was so good. And and not to take away from it necessarily, but I mean, it, it's hard not to notice that John U. Smith completely disappeared. Obviously, they're, they're using him as, as help a lot there too. But I think just Derrick Henry in December is exactly what football and the NFL is about is this is the time of year that guys start making what they call business decisions is whether or not they want to tackle Derrick Henry and it gets colder. And I just think of Henry on December 27th in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Sunday night football. You don't want to tackle that guy. Absolutely not. Um, Especially if you're a safety that's, you know, got, he's got 60 pounds on you. Um, That's not something that that you want to do by any means and so this is it's not you know a cliche to call it dehember and to get all excited about Derrick henry's resurgence because it's not as it, it's it's a recipe for success and i think that yeah you write you them until until you can't anymore because it makes the rest of your offense go
1: dehembers i it's so stupid i hate i've that never it's heard so that
3: stupid before. it's so stupid but it's so real like that's no, the thing you've never it's, heard it's, of it's not just like some crazy thing that is out there and people are just making it up because he's had really good Decembers the last two years. It's, it's a thing like that. This is the time of year when you're supposed to run the ball, when you're supposed to put the ball on the ground and go and it works. I mean, it's, I, I like it. I like the Hember. I'll take it. I,
1: who came, I hate, came up with that? Uh, Zach Lyons from the Football and Other F Words podcast, which is why that I hate that it has legs because oh, I, okay. I love all three of those guys. They're among my favorite people uh, who exist in our, in our media sphere. Um, but uh, no slight against you two. But uh, the the DeHember thing is, is something that they used to troll me for a good while while the Titans were still looking that and while the Titans were still looking for an offensive coordinator because they kept telling me that Sean Mannion was going to be the coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. And it was just – it's a long-running joke that nobody here is going to get, and so now I'm pissed about it all over again, and nobody understands why. Regardless, Emily, uh, the thing that you pointed out there with Derrick Henry and this being the time of year that you're supposed to – do the thing that the Titans are best at doing, it really is, you know, as cliche as it is, and it, there are this, this, this whole narrative is wrought with cliches because you talk about next man up. I mean, that was the difference between the Titans and the Colts, to me, is that the depth players for the Titans who have been called into service absolutely kicked the ass of the Colts players who were in the same position. Now, maybe they've had more time. To do so but the 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 ability there or at least the execution there from a depth on depth perspective to me really really stood out but the thing the thing that I think bodes in their favor is for as big a deal M as people are making of the there only being two home games left for the Tennessee Titans this regular season, the thing that they do best Derrick Henry, it travels. It is among one of the few things that do travel in professional football.
3: Yeah eight straight hundred yard games on the road. I mean, that was kind of the, the buzz stat afterwards is yeah, you, you can take him anywhere and um, he, he will find success for you. And I think, you know, that's why I I, I found myself kind of yelling at the screen in the fourth quarter because he just kept getting carries. And I was thinking, you know, you got to rest you got to rest. You know, they've, they've got some good formidable running backs to come in and Jerry McNichols and Foreman and, um, and we've seen them find success. And so I, I think that just from a cautious standpoint, I, I want them to, pull back a little bit, but God forbid we asked Mike Rabel about that sacrifice to Ron Davenport um, for that question. But <laughs> I, I do think it's something that you got to think about. And it's Mike Rabel's M.O. too um, to want to have guys available and ready to go when it counts. And we saw him do it last year when he, you know, rested Derrick Henry against the Saints. It's something that he's preached is that he wants guys available more than he wants to just kind of throw you out there and, and try to, you know, dig the knife in a little bit, which kind of is, is what it seemed like in the fourth quarter with continuing to bring 22 out there. But I think it's just because we know how important he is to this team and how important he'll be down the stretch.
1: Rex Rod, now is your opportunity to tell uh, – to rub it in my face that you were right and I was wrong about paying Derrick Henry.
2: Oh, God, that's right. You had that dumbass opinion, didn't you? I, see, I, w- I would have forgotten that too.
1: It's because you're Yeah, old.
2: well, it, hey, it, it, it's, it's a unique situation – I mean, I'm I'm with you in general. I still think it's a rule that works in this league, but you got to look at what you are and who the back in question is. And I, you know, look. I don't know if he's going to be this guy three years from now, but I I feel like he's he's doing okay. He's got some mileage ahead of him, and uh, you know, I just I think Derrick Henry would have been a pro. Look, I mean, Derrick Henry got paid, and some people look look for when guys get paid. You know, does their performance fall off? That's what they said about Chris Johnson here a few years ago. Not surprised at all that he has taken it up a level. If he would have been playing on the tag this year, I think he would have been playing the exact same. But I think it's good for the whole locker room, frankly, that he got paid. And I think that was a little bit underrated on your part, if we're being serious. But these guys wanted him to get paid. You know, these guys genuinely like him genuinely understand how important he is to them. And so I think it's not just a Derrick Henry being happy move, but it's a team route move, and it's the right move. I mean, the guys, we'll see how long it goes. Who knows? But we know that there have been, it's more than just the random outlier who does have a longer career and has numbers that, frankly, can put you in Hall of Fame consideration. We're throwing around MVP and Hall of Fame already, talking about Derrick Henry. And it's probably a little early, but, man, the guy's uh, really good.
1: Yeah, so Emily brought up the, the falling on the sword of uh, Teron Davenport, which calls back to yesterday's, as we tape this on a Tuesday, Mike Rabel's press conference uh, where somebody clearly pissed in his Cheerios and he was not happy about it. More than that. When he, when he showed up. See, now you're the one making shit jokes, Adam. How's that taste? Uh, no pun intended. There. Uh, talk,
2: talk about, see, I do remember the dog, your dog. So I do remember that one. Yeah.
1: It all comes full circle. Right. Anywell, yeah, okay. Uh, Rex Road was the victim of the greatest amount of abuse yesterday, but I knew as soon as Mike Vrabel decided that he was going to give Teron Davenport hell, who I think at, the three of us can agree Emily is thoroughly likable, but TD I think may she said no TD may be uh, the most well-liked Titans media member, from the standpoint of us, from fans, from uh, the people that work for the Tennessee Titans, I feel like nobody really has a problem with Teron. Yes,
3: oh, yeah. totally agree. Maybe a fair—I would say a comparable as far as just like lovable person you can't ever hate would be Eric, who is leaving us now, which is unfortunate. That's a good point. But that's two good point. two guys that I, I mean, you just can't can't possibly hate. So.
1: Accurate. Accurate. and yet yeah, eh, a little different. What'd you say to me? Well, she
2: said two guys you can't hate, and I said, whereas Buck, on the other hand, maybe a little different. I'm thoroughly below. Move forward. Move on. <laughs> uh, anyway, look at
3: his hat.
2: <laughs> but here's the thing with TD guys is like, and TD's also like. Like, TD loves football, I think, more than anyone I've come across. Yeah. And we all love football. And everyone around there loves football. TD loves football. And so, I was. And he
1: loves football history.
2: Yeah. So, like, I mean, I've and that's the thing. Like, Vrabel has at various times snapped at, I'd say, just about all of us, right, for here or there, for something. I can't remember it ever with TD. I mean, I, and maybe I missed it. But, you know, I think there's like a – it's just he he loves you know there's like a football talking thing right with TD which is a I mean me t- being a t- doing a terrible job of verbalizing myself here
1: yeah this but is, anyway this you, is good this saying. is good promotion for your for your radio show that you now have weekdays <laughs> Monday through Friday on 102.5 the game six to ten a.m. Rex Road and Robbie or Robbie and Rex Road whatever the hell it's called it's
2: Robbie and Rex Road six to ten a.m. Thank
1: you yes <laughs> subscribe uh, rate I, and review wherever it is you get your podcast anyway Mike bit like off. Mike bit off Teron's head yesterday, and then that's where things started to stew.
2: Coach, when you look at guys like Jamal Anderson and Larry Johnson, who had pretty excessive workloads and then had a drop-off the season after, uh, with Derek and 256 carries at this point, is there any concern or do you try to balance how many carries he finishes up with?
0: Ter- Teron, we we play – Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this week. I, I don't even remember Jamal Anderson or whoever you, you referenced. So Larry Johnson. Der- oh, Larry Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm. we're just trying to get ready for, for the Cleveland Browns. Um, and that's what our focus is.
2: But, I mean, knowing that Derek is such a big part of your offense and then seeing how guys in the past have had a drop-off, Do you try to manage his carries or is it just kind of we're gonna do whatever it takes? How do you approach that? Gonna gonna try to prepare to to
0: beat the Cleveland Browns this week.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: And so Rex Road, nobody actually heard, I don't think, your question to Mike Vrabel that you were trying to get across before he absolutely steamrolled you and answered it within, and I, I timed it out because I had this cut up into several clips on my Twitter timeline. <laughs> three minute diatribe about everybody sucks and you being a clown. What was the question that you were trying to ask him?
2: Mike, are you, are you saying that Stretch called the fake field goal uh, last year for, for Brett Kern? All right, that's not, that's not really my question. My question is, thank you for laughing. My question is Arthur Smith three straight games. he scripted touchdown drives. What is the art? What is the
0: listen guys? Like three weeks ago, Arthur stunk. We couldn't gain any yards against Chicago. We couldn't gain any yards against somebody else. Like it just goes up and down. Like, like one week we're going to stink and this guy sucks. And then I suck. And like, we're just trying to stay consistent as possible, continue to improve everybody work together come together with a game plan, try to make sure that the players understand it, you know, try to make sure that they know what the keys are, show them the keys, have some answers if things look a little different during the game. Uh, And that's what I was proud of the guys, everybody with the coaches and and the players, especially yesterday, is that they they knew the plan, they understood what the keys were, and then when there were adjustments that needed to be made – you know, we were able to make, them. we played much better on special teams. Those guys were ready for that challenge. Uh, we were able to protect our punter on a kicker. We were able to get some, you know, some return yards. Um, you know, we covered kicks well. Brett kicked the ball well. Steven made all his kicks. Um, offensively, we handled the movement. Uh, I thought we wore him down, which we, you know, we're trying to do. Uh, running a football and being physical, I thought we were ready for him defensively to be in, you know, going fast and, and being in, you know, operating with a veteran quarterback that, you know, wants to be on the ball and move pieces around, get them in what they think is the best play. We did that better. Um, we affected the quarterback better uh, than we did um, in, in 17, 18 days ago. So, that's really all we're trying to do. And it's not about one person. And, you know, Derrick Henry, there's a lot of, a lot of yards that were made because guys were blocking and, and finishing and, and, and trying to trying to get him extra yards and, and you know, quarterback was only hit twice. Um, so that's a testament to the protection and Jeremy, when he had to step in there and block on, on third down.
2: Okay. But how? But about- it's just
0: going to check, you know I mean? That, that, that's really what the question is. And so, you know, you, you can ask me anything you want to ask me, Joe, but, it's just going to depend on the week. You know, it's three weeks ago. You know, it's this guy stinks and this guy's awful. Like we're just going to try to improve and and keep working.
2: Yeah. Okay. I I get, I get all that. I was just asking about scripted drives. And and then I answered what I, what
0: I felt like I wanted to answer your question to.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, let's go back a day because you know, I, so the tight. Well, that's that's this started the day earlier. The Titans win, and to me, the key moment of that game was fourth down, fourth and four. They're about to punt. They go. Tannehill second read hits Davis. They score. It's thirty-five fourteen. That won the game. That killed the Colts. Okay, and if you mess that up, if you don't get it, or if you kick a field goal, or you know miss a field goal, whatever. You know, Philip Rivers can easily get you get them a field goal. They're getting the ball. They can double up. It can be 28 24 really easily. All of a sudden, it's 35 14. That was the aggressive move by Vrabel that, to me, won the game. So I asked a question about that, and Vrabel's answer was a joke about, well, you know, Stretch, I'm paraphrasing, Stretch, you know, called in the double reverse. He made a double reverse Brett Kern joke, which is a direct shot at me because I've made that joke for many, many, many times, including on Robbie Rex Road, many, many times. Over the past few months, going back to the ridiculously, and let me just say, I went back to like read the column from the day they played Tampa Bay, and they had the fake field goal and Brett Kern got eviscerated by Devin White. It it is just as dumb now. Like, Vrabel can win eight straight Super Bowls. It will remain an idiotic call of all time, okay? So let's, let's make sure that's clear. So he obviously has held a grudge for a long time and got that shot in. Great. So I decided, okay, I'll have a little joke. So I started my question with, so are you saying Stretch called the fake field goal? You know? And sometimes I think Vrabel might laugh. Uh, maybe not. I didn't deliver it very well. He just sat there. <laughs> and so then I said, okay, here's my question. My question was about Arthur Smith and three straight games with scripted opening drives for touchdowns. And that's where he steamrolled me. And by the way, guys, the answer he gave uh, – In the middle of insulting and uh, insulting me and and, you know, trashing me, all that stuff was actually the most detailed football answer he's ever, ever given. Am I right? He talked about the entire game plan of the game,
1: close to it. Uh, it's and that's that's the way he works. I think all three of us could attest to it in some form or fashion where he will he will fight you on the front end of these responses because it's it's almost like an obligation for football people to begrudgingly answer or begrudgingly give up small details that really don't matter in the larger scheme of things, but because they're football people and they have to protect all the state secrets at any cost, they cannot give you the thing, except when Mike Vrabel's gotten his joke in or gotten his shot in at one of us, whomever's asked the question, then typically he gives a pretty detailed answer on the back end. That's why I honestly, I was texting some people in the organization yesterday about it that i will take i will take moody vrabel 10 day or 10 times out of 10 if it means that we don't get the sedated version of him on the zoom calls before practice and the response that i got back was no we like sedated it's the only (laughs) break that we get
2: (laughs) real quick uh today i was in with uh keith carter and you know, Kim. Kim Smith wasn't calling on me, and it got all the way to the end. And so finally, I got the last question. I'm like, "Oh, I'm glad you're not like Vrabel trying to shut me down." And Keith, Keith laughed. So I would just like to say uh, I appreciate you, Keith, and I think Kim did too, but she just muted herself. So
3: well, I was on a. I was lucky enough to be on a Zoom call with Joe later that day with Candace Story Lee, and she liked the jokes a lot better enough to where <laughs> Alan George, the SID, had to actually mute the chat because she was getting so distracted rex wrote talking about how much weight he has gained over the thanksgiving holiday so if anybody was worried that, that maybe you were upset and and you were at home you know thinking about oh my gosh this head coach that i cover doesn't like me he he was fine
1: no the bad jokes what, never just, stop. it's it's, no. it's such an indictment of you that you choose the only professional time that we have on a day-to-day basis in these zooms in the limited rona access that we get to workshop your comedy routine, and it's come not on. just in Titans, oh, bull- but it's in the Fandy thing too.
2: That is bullshit, Buck. That is bullshit. We love the chat. That is so much
1: fun. Come on,
2: you don't like the chat?
1: Oh no, I love the chat. Talk? I hate you. I hate. Not it. everyone I likes. I don't. The chat. I love the chat. I hate you. You come on, man. That, not that, everyone likes. Crable likes though. it too. I mean not yeah, not everybody
3: got some serious journalists in there that are just very you know that they want to john glennon ask the questions and john glennon
1: cannot to be considered a serious journalist at this point when every question he sure. starts uh every question he asks starts with yeah. um and then a lip smack that just resonates throughout every every speaker every microphone every recording device across radio frequencies in nashville tennessee just the That he starts every question with that makes me – it makes me cringe every time. Johnny hates the chat. By the way, who do we think Mike hates the most?
2: Uh, Of the whole press corps? Yes. See, this is where – I swear I'm not trying to be like boastful or vain. I've thought he's hated me the most the whole time. Yeah. Really? Yep, absolutely. Why why do you feel that way? Because, I mean, I can't help sometimes the smart-ass comments that I make in my columns. (laughs) you know i mean that's i mean and i look the one thing vrabel can't do ever again is and i don't know if he's even done this but most most guys in his position do you know i don't read anything i mean you know he can't say that he he reads and hears a lot clearly so i i feel like kaharski likes to fancy himself the most hated but i actually have never bought that am
3: no no, I, I was—I would say Joe too. I mean, I don't know. It's—I just think it's—it's it's a weird. You're welcome. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay! Good for you. No, it's—it's it's such a weird thing that that Mike Rabel is known amongst fans and, and a lot of people is like this tough football guy that only worries about football and, and winning and whatever. And the fact that he's reading our columns, remembering them from years ago, and bringing it back up—that he's holding these little petty grudges—I'm I'm like, okay, he, he he's. I know that the people are starting to realize he's a little has that little bit of like sneaky smart guy in him when he's, you know, um, putting too many men on the field and and all that sort of thing. But I don't know. I just think it's, it's strange that he's, you know, everyone thinks that it's so great that he's very hard nosed, tough football guy, but he's holding grudges and being sassy with us.
1: He's a little sensitive. Who do you think it is? Yeah. Who do I think it is? I, I do think, well, one, uh, I, I, not to betray any, uh, any confidences here on the podcast, but Kaharski did text me uh, yesterday, probably about 10.30 last night, completely uh, not understanding how I got so much run out of five minutes of Mike Vrabel ripping various media members because I made it into a podcast now. I did it on the radio. I did it on the streaming show. I did it on Twitter for clicks. Like, I put it everywhere I could possible, and I got a lot of run out of it. And Paul essentially was saying to me that he felt that if this is how big a deal I'm going to make it, then I owe him at least 25 various shows for as often as he's been ripped. And the th- the reason that that is so funny is because we were not paying attention to Paul in those very, very fleeting moments, which gives me endless enjoyment. Because Paul Paul wishes that Mike Vrabel hated him the most, uh, I think, because it would just be one more thing for Paul to uh, attach himself to. We have talked before when Kaharski's on the podcast, who is the greatest narcissist among us, and he fans. I think it is him. That's easy. Uh, t- ten out of ten. I will say, Rex Road, though, that uh, – one, uh, I think it's not, not, not that politics ever make their way onto this podcast, but Mike Vrabel is very Trumpian in the way that he consumes all things local media. I saw him, you know I what, I won't give that away, but I, I know that he reads and he watches and he listens and I know that they both, he and John Robinson both, receive everything <laughs> it is that we put out from a content standpoint every morning for them to peruse and go through and see what things that we have said and why we are wrong and, and columns from two years ago that they can cite where I'm, I'm literally looking at this quote from Sunday afternoon in front of me well we had a double reverse call with Brett and I figured with him coming back from the R.I. the I.R. and the risk that we would probably shouldn't do it so Steck not stretch Steck Luke Steckel told oh, me he to did call- say
2: stretch that's a bad transcript he said stretch.
3: yeah he said stretch
1: Okay, a bad so, transcript. so told me to call a timeout and just throw it to Corey Davis. That is among the greatest shots from a, from a meaningless NFC-AFC game that they almost blew against the Buccaneers, and if not for uh, Jameis Winston and Brashad Perryman's incompetence, the, forced fu- the self-imposed forced fumble uh, that they caused for themselves on the goal line in one of the most ridiculous sweeps I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that, that is, that, that's is the level of petty that I aspire to be. This had Mike Vrabel is that's some petty. Th- that's some petty. That is some 10 out of 10 I, petty.
3: I love the, um, the up that you got in as well. When, uh, it's, I'm reading the transcript right now and it has an italics. This is him answering question on scripted drives. And then I answered, this is his answer. And then I answered what I felt like I wanted to answer your question to. That's it. <laughs> That's the response. Also, I think I'm going to change my answer to Glennon, just, <laughs> to, just to be different. Because I don't, I don't know. When it comes to the press conferences, I don't know what he thinks about everyone's individual writing, um, but I think when it comes to press conferences, who he's generally always snarky with, I would say well, Glennon.
2: Now, hold on. If you just went by that. It's Luke Warsham. Am that's, I wrong? That's
1: my answer. I think he hates. Oh Luke
3: no! <laughs> I forgot <laughs> Luke. Come I on! Think, come I think. Come on, hates Vrabel.
1: I really on a college kid. No, no, he no. He answers
3: the, his questions though.
1: And the college kid well. picks on Vrabel. Like if yes, any, he does. if anybody is undeterred by Mike Vrabel, and listen, there are times in my life I am not I am not too uh, too big of a man to admit that I have been intimidated by Mike Vrabel uh, at various points in my life. I think that's a totally reasonable thing for somebody to say. Luke Worsham, I am convinced, has never been intimidated by anybody in his life because he will absolutely just dog Mike with these with these incessantly long lined-up questions that I swear to God he's regaling the entire play by play from drives before he gets there to ask Mike Brabel, how why do you insist on dropping Harold Landry into coverage this many times? Then Mike looks at him like he's this little piss and says, Well, how many times have we drop drop Landry? into coverage, Luke, and then on and on it goes. And Luke will go right back at him. It's yeah. one of my favorite things out of our day-to-day interactions.
2: It's also interesting. So Vrabel is – I think some of this maybe is that they're playing well, they're winning, we're, everybody's back on, that they're great. So coaches typically kind of get a – you know, they don't like that. They don't want their team to feel that way. By the way, did anyone ever say Vrabel sucks? Arthur Smith sucks. Oh, I sucked a couple weeks ago. He sucked. He sucked. Who said that? Who not said one, they suck? Not one yeah, it's, win. it's it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, it's interesting that there's that. But then with Luke, they win a game. They could win a game and play. I think like they, when they beat Buffalo, I, I I believe, and I don't remember what it was. They could win and play flawlessly, and the one mistake Luke will ask about that mistake, right. which I love about Luke. And so it was so I, good win, Mike. But uh, you know the uh, third and four there when with the false start. I mean, it's just you know it's it's I love it, man. So. Like I think Luke asked the other day about you know getting off to a good start or turning it around, and Brabels, was like, "Yeah, we just beat the uh, Ravens and Colts on the road. I'd say that's a pretty yeah. good
1: start, Luke. Huh? What do you say, buddy?" <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's like I love that Mike Brable thinks he has something to prove to Luke worship. It's it's the highlight of it's the highlight of my uh, of my media experience so far. Now, do you, you think I-
3: Brabel is intentionally like putting pitting us against each other? Not that we're like against each other, but I feel like we talk about. Like the media relationship and ourselves a lot, right? Oh, we're super old. You, you did a podcast. Come on. Okay, okay. No, but listen. is this something that Brable's just trying to they with a big old wooden spoon, trying to stir the pot?
1: No, I honestly think I think Mike Brable hates us all. Uh, yeah. On on, you know, I think it varies by day. I really do. Like, I think that the uh, that you are like John Harbaugh. Nobody, nobody is. Uh, nobody is. Um, safe from being absolutely punked by Mike Vrabel at any given moment, if that's where, if that's where Mike to, chooses to direct his ire, and I think that on any given day he could hate each of us more uh, than he did the previous day, and it could be Emily one day, it could be me the next, it could be Joe, and then it'll always be Terry because Terry has the worst Zoom call connection. Uh, <laughs> and the and the and again, like this podcast, the circle of life continues. But I will say. Mm-hmm. We are awfully self-involved as a media court, and I feel like this podcast is to blame.
2: It helps. It feeds it. You know, it makes yeah. it feel okay.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> makes face you're, face. Enab- you're enabling all of us, Buck. That's that's what I do. I'm a, I'm an, I'm an enabler. I'm a giver. That's why I have the hat. Anyway, you talked about uh you talked about uh, um Candace Story Lee, who for those of you who would be ignorant to such things is the athletic director uh, at Vanderbilt University. And Derek Mason, uh, just for for reasons that are un, unknown to me, got fired on a Sunday. I mean, out you know, outside of getting shutting out by 40, 40 what is it, forty one to nothing, yeah. uh, the Missouri game. So there there is plenty of cause to fire Derek Mason. I didn't. I honestly didn't think they'd do it this year, given you know COVID and and opt outs and everything that they've had to go on through. But I guess enough is enough. Uh, and so they do it. In the midst of the Titans game on Sunday, which really pissed me off, not because I don't think that Derek Mason didn't deserve to lose his job, but because I needed it to at least happen on a Tuesday so I could get a show out of it uh, and not have it bleed into all the other things that we need to talk about on a regular basis. Point being, though, is that Derek Mason got fired after what some who would choose to agitate are calling a publicity stunt. Um, in Sarah Fuller, the women's soccer player for Vanderbilt, who was uh, chosen as the place kicker because of all the things that Bandy's having to go through with the personnel that they lack at this point. It is, it is said, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that she will again be on the roster uh, for place kicking duties uh, in their game this upcoming Saturday. I guess, from, because you both are, are much more, even though I am technically a Vandy employee, I don't think this season, but you know every other season I have been. Uh, you guys have been paying attention to this much, much closer than I have. I guess whichever direction you want to take it, Em, whether it be from the Sarah Fuller angle or the Derek Mason angle, but both are inherently interconnected, and, and both are pretty interesting stories right now.
3: I mean, I feel obligated as a woman and a women's soccer player, obviously, to, to talk about the Sarah, Sarah Fuller situation. And I think that I don't know. I, I don't want to get super heated about it because I feel like there was a lot of, uh, you know, woman warriors out there on, no, no, no. online that were, that's, that's that were doing the job. Is,
1: that's what this whole thing is for. You're supposed to get pissed. I'm not animation. Pissed
3: because I'm not pissed because I, don't, I, I think I would have to have been like caught off guard or surprised by any of the responses in order to get like heated about it. I just kind of rolled my eyes. I mean, this is this is not the ideal situation for someone to have made history. But is is it ever an ideal situation? Is it ever the the most, you know, the comfiest um, thing in the world where, you know, this is laid out? She's been kicking her entire life. She's been called upon to do this. She's been playing football for forever. She's the right man for the job. No, she just started playing football three days before she was thrown out on a football field. Um, she clearly knows the motion of kicking, but the balls are considerably different. Um, the uniform and the pads that she has to wear is consider. I mean, there's so many things that were kind of setting her up for failure that I was just proud of her to be out there in the first place. And whatever happened afterwards, it reminds me a lot of the Alex Smith situation where I didn't need to see any football from him, but the fact that he made the roster and, and came back was already comeback player of the year material for me and anything beyond it is, is just a bonus. But I think that it was important that it happened just because, you know, it, it's really hard being the first. And I think that there's going to be so many people that are watching that can say, okay, I can do that. Full disclosure. We had two, two girls that I played soccer with um, competitively that kicked for their high school football teams because they, were, they had done that their entire high school careers. It was fun, it was, but it was never a thing where they said, okay, I'm going to go on and try to attempt to do this in college. Well, now somebody can get pulled off the street to do this. and 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 kick in you know a, a power five football game why is it the craziest thing in the world to to try to go achieve that dream um in in college and so i think that just the fact that it happened and that somebody said that it was okay and we'll try it and we'll see what happens i think that that speaks volumes and and can only you know to not be super cheesy but can only inspire other people to know that if if they do the work and they do everything ahead of time to prove that they're worthy of that position that it's not the craziest thing in the world to Picture a female as a kicker, and if for the people saying, "Why her?" because it was a publicity stunt or whatever. Read, o- open up the internet. At some point, there's not a men's soccer team, so that was not an option. Nobody else was on campus, and if I'm trying to find a last-minute kicker, heck yeah, I'm going to the soccer team. And the first person that I'm asking is the goalkeeper because they kick the ball the hardest, the furthest. They punt. They do everything that, that's necessary. Also, she's six-two, which I think is like. Considerably taller than a lot of NFL kickers that are out there, so I wasn't too concerned she's about contact. She's six two. I mean, I'm height. not going to say her weight because I don't know it, and I doubt that they put that on a roster no. for for women's soccer. I'd be less, pissed if they did that for me. My um, height, probably but, <laughs> less
1: than me, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, but I'm like, she's not. She's not fragile. If you ever watch the position of goalkeeper, too, I mean, they're people. They could you know cleats to the face you know it's obviously very different and I'm well aware that it's a different situation when it comes to football I'm not naive enough to think that but I just I just think that of course it was a no-brainer give her a tryout. they said she did great in practice we have no reason but to trust them um, not like Mike Rabel where we're not quite sure if he can evaluate kickers in practice but Ooh, I um... like the shot <laughs> Hunters, maybe i, I think hope you're still listening vrabel <laughs> particular well apparently he is now <laughs> hi mike I don't know. maybe he's got like bugs in my apartment or something but <laughs> no i it, to wrap it up it, it was an important move it's not going to be perfect it wasn't it was it was just a, a big thing to to show that it can be possible and i don't think that that's the last time we'll see it
1: jackie robinson-esque a retro yeah no that's i mean that's you know
2: that's i don't agree at all with that that's that's over that's overstating things to me. It was a cool story. And I think it's really cool that she was able to step in and do it. I got very frustrated by idiots on this and probably pay idiots too much mind. I mean, I actually was still going at it back and forth today on Twitter with like, clearly it was, I mean, here's the thing I did a lot of reporting on this because, and I wrote some things about it and um, it wasn't a publicity stunt. It was, it was totally out of like, like Emily just laid out. It was out of necessity some people say they have a punter, punter, the punter. Most punters can't do place kicking. Like Emily said, and I talked to Darren Ambrose, the women's soccer coach, the mechanics are almost identical. And so that is why we see soccer players all the time. By the way, a bunch of five, seven pipsqueaks who no one, I ever, I've never heard anybody, oh my God, he's going to kick off. What's going to happen to him? He better run he off the field. He should lay
3: down or run yeah. off
1: Lay down, run off the field. Oh, okay. Greg what? Joseph looks like somebody that you would that you would handle with care, that you would bubble wrap him. And Cody Parkey, all of these kickers that were oh. not Ryan Suckup, like statuesque Ryan Suckup. Most kickers are very, very small, fragile individuals.
3: What yeah. about Rodrigo Blankenship? We just saw him up close and personal on Sunday. That's not a large human being.
1: No. Most of them, yeah.
2: So you know, look. I mean, this was this was out of necessity. They don't. It, 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 they don't have a men's soccer team. They they had. I mean, they don't have walk-ons available. Students were off campus. No one else could do it. She stepped in and apparently, I apparently hit 15 of 17 at one point. She hit a 38-yarder. For anybody who has tried or hasn't tried to kick a field goal, 38-yarder is a That's big hard. deal. Very few yeah. humans can do that, honestly. But you know, Vanderbilt's PR department, of course, jumped all over this, and so I think that fed the perception of the pump, You know, the, the the PR stunt or whatever you want to call it. You know, um but of course they're going to do that. I mean, that's their job is to find any positive story. And around that football program, yeah, here's an opportunity. It does not mean that it was orchestrated from the start. It's just infuriating. And I thought Sarah handled it incredibly well. And, you know, people got mad about her talking to the team too. And I will say like any sort of newcomer coming in and talking to a team at halftime to me is like, wow, really? But I think that's an indictment of what's going on, what's been going on in the program, yeah. right? I mean, wh- why is that bad on her? I don't understand that. Like,
1: good for her. Who? Uh, I don't. Was there anybody taking the position that there, were there people legitimately taking that position? Because, like, yeah, like it wasn't the, her uh,
3: place. Like, it wasn't her place you, to huh? say anything. You've got an SEC champion in your locker room telling you how you should act. I, I mean, that maybe you should listen. I mean, there sure was a huge nobody indictment. in that
1: locker room other than her as an SEC champion.
2: Damn sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm impressed how shielded you are from idiots, Buck. Because my God, it feels like a fucking avalanche to me out there.
1: Well, it's my thing. My thing with it is, you know, I'm I'm a lot removed from from you know. I've obviously paid attention to the story. I watched the game on Saturday, and I of course hugely supportive of Sarah Fuller and everything that she's trying to do. And it's not just because I you know in any other year I get a paycheck from Vanderbilt. It's not anything like that. But outside of that, you know, I watched the game, and I. Uh, my 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 sphere. I have a lot of idiots in my sphere, but this particular sphere, I did not I did not wander into so much as to make fun of Jared Stillman for the Jackie Robinson tweet that I alluded to earlier uh, in the program, which was completely and totally asinine for a great many reasons, all mostly because it came out of the mouth of our dear friend Jared Stillman, who, by the way, tried to lobby that into a uh, an appearance on this podcast, which I had to tell him was uh, not not going to happen. Anyway. Wow, you were really throwing him under the bus. Yeah, but I love him, and he knows that. And, he tried to, <laughs> and he's, he's trying to give me shit about Matt Patricia as the next Titans defensive coordinator publicly, like he's going to win some kind of argument with me. So, of course, I'm going to take him out on the podcast. This is how these things work, Joe. Anyway, uh, so outside of, outside of consuming it and loving it as a story and appreciating the historical significance of it, you know, there wasn't really a lot of engagement from me on Twitter about it other than to see people like you feuding on the internet with the people who were pushing back on it. Mm-hmm. And, and all of the things I saw, I can't remember the, uh, the female journalist that posted a picture that she put up. I think it was either on her handle or Sarah Fuller's, Fuller's handle of the picture of her in the Vanderbilt uniform. And then the comments as a side by side and all of the awful wretched things that were being mm-hmm. said in the comment section about it, which is just so typical of the feet, and not not that I know the typical female experience in sports. Emily could, of course, speak to it much better than me. But we all know the grime and the disgustingness that happens, especially on the internet, as it relates to women in sports. And so that all of that, I just kind of said, you know, I mean, uh, the, people like Joe are going to fight this battle. People like Emily are going to fight this battle. If I need to get involved, I am absolutely down for the cause. I am here for the smoke, and everybody who thinks that way is just an idiot. As far as I'm concerned, but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get into it as much on Twitter as I might normally in any other situation.
2: There's still time. The toxic uh, man boys who can't handle a woman and their cherished football have, they've had quite a few days here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I do want
3: to say, I know that I know that we're always, you know, ragging on you, Joe, but I, I genuinely do appreciate the the fight that you're giving and, and the fact that you, you know, are are so spirited about it. Just because, you know, anytime it comes from someone like me, I, I try to. Tiptoe around it because it's it sounds like some crazy feminist rant if I if I go off on people for not respecting women. I mean, you have to kind of toe the line between, um, you know, standing up for her, but then also being like she can you know fight her own battles and and that it's not it's not coming from the best situation if it's just well of course you're, cel- you're celebrating her you're female you played soccer like of course you're going to support her it has nothing to do with it, um, but it is kind of just. The situation that, that we get as women in sports and, and some of the difficulties that, that go with that. And, you know, I'm not going to get too in the weeds of it, but essentially perfection is something that is a, a quality that they look for above just being in the position and, and, and getting there. And I think that that's the thing that we need to separate is that she didn't have to be perfect and she wasn't. And it's, it's really unfair to ask that of her. But the fact that she was in that position um, in the first place and was asked and and for the most part earned it based on necessity and that she was the most qualified for the job on campus at the time, I think it's okay to recognize that as, as just being awesome and being an awesome story and not worry as much about exactly what it looked like and that's kind of you know what we face in, in this career too is you feel like if you are a woman working in sports that you don't have a, a long leash to, to screw up because you're already just lucky enough to to be in this position that you've also got to be perfect and and not you know take take a wrong misstep or anything or else it's just well it's because she's a woman and it immediately goes back to that um, and so I think that that's kind of what she faced and the reason that I wasn't all that frustrated about it because it's you know part it's of life typical experience <laughs> in this, at this point exactly and I and, well, I and the fact and I don't mean to interrupt like, you but
1: like I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you but the fact that you that you had said earlier you know you appreciate joe for for taking up the cause the way that you did because you said you know there's there's a line that you almost feel like you have to toe well that that inherently is the problem yep. right women in sports yep. feel like that they have to toe that line and and people like like joe or you know not not to put myself in something like this but if we if we take up that cause for mm-hmm. our friends or on the behalf of people that we know and our friends who are women in sports as well then it somehow uh, further legitimizes uh the 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 cause or the argument that we've decided to take up because we decide you know that we would deign to enter into that sphere and try and take on these man boys as Rex Road call them and you know how it stop it stops first by people like Joe Rex Road coming onto this podcast and say that Emily Proud looks different on the podcast you are what you hate Rex Road you sexist pig (laughs) Oh God!
3: Whoa, Uh, that took a turn.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: geez, I didn't, I didn't think you'd throw that one at me. Uh, Hey, I appreciate what you said, Emily. And you know, I've been in the, I'm old, been in here. I mean, it's dozens of amazing friends and colleagues who are women in this business. And and I think Twitter, just like a lot of things, magnifies some things, some realities. But like, I could sit there and tweet whatever and for example like my coworker Nicole Auerbach she could tweet something about COVID or whatever and like the response is the, the vitriol difference there it's incredible it really is um and it's just enough already but that's that's also the problem with that <laughs> forum and others is like you're never going to get rid of it all sometimes it's like do you is it better to ignore like like that's what sucks to hear Emily say like you know I have to I hate that. I hate that you have to think that way. Like, uh, maybe I should not fight this one because you know what I mean. Like, it sucks. Like, it shouldn't have to be like that. But that's reality. And so, I, I've struggled too, just in general, with like, do you pay mind to this stuff and give it more? Really, in a way, give it more juice by fighting against it, or is it better sometimes to? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But sometimes, you know. It gets too emotional to do anything else.
3: Well, the fact that you're thinking about that is definitely the, the first step. And I, I'm not out here to say that it's impossible. And this is such a tough world to be a woman in by any means. There's a ton of advantages as well. It's I tough. feel like we're pretty, t- no, it's no, tough. I'm, I'm the least depressed person. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but no, I just think that it's important that there is discussion and that there's people that are willing to, to stand up for you that, that don't look like you and don't understand your circumstances and they want you to genu- like genuinely learn. And I think that that's the, the most important thing, of course. And so that's why I do appreciate both of you guys that you're actually like taking a step back and and you know more from people that just want to analyze the kick and say, well, if she's in this position, then she must be amazing and perfect. But to take a step back and realize, okay, the whole situation wasn't amazing and perfect. So I think just the fact that she was like, yep, let's do it, which is something that Derek Mason commended her for as well after the game, is that she could have very easily said no, and that's a tough situation to be in. To be the first of anything is difficult, um, and I had, a, I had a great conversation with the founder of Play Like a Girl, which is the organization that um, she shouted out on her helmet, and the coolest thing that she said to me was something that they preach to their women that they mentor this year, is that this year is going to be the last year of firsts. This is, this is what's going to happen. We have a female Going into the White House, um, which is pretty exciting next year. I know we're not supposed to talk about politics, but i can be excited about women. Um, I and then we it. saw the first—I know—and we saw the first female kicker in, in a Power Five game. And so I, I truly hope that we're at this point where we get to continue to shout out um, trailblazers and people busted through the glass ceiling. So you thank know what? You, guys.
2: you know what? Oh, I'm sorry, Emily. And you know what's cool too is Sarah. Basically, with this whole thing, is like like she's like Vrabel after the Super Bowl, just like double middles and hey. No, I did. I had fun. Whatever you guys want to talk about, talk about it.
3: Yeah, she's awesome.
1: Well, uh, I don't know if Rexroad's awesome. Em's pretty awesome, but we <laughs> appreciate your uh, we appreciate both of their time uh, here on a regular basis here on the podcast. You can hear Robbie and Rexroad 6 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 1025 The Game. You can subscribe, rate, review to the Robbie and Rexroad podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. You can read Joe Rexroad on theathletic.com where I am a proud subscriber, Mike Vrabel is a proud subscriber, Emily Proud is a proud subscriber, uh, and, uh, and he has a very, very good column on the situation at Vanderbilt and everything that has gone down with Sarah Fuller that I invite you to read. You can watch Emily Proud, by the way, because most of you will not read because you know sometimes, sometimes reading is hard. You can watch Emily Proud on TV and she will tell you all the things that you need to know about all things local sports and the, uh, and the continued fight for equality for women in sports On WKRN and occasionally shots at Mike Vrabel for being Captain Obvious. On what's the name of the Saturday program that I was watching?
3: TN Nation after the late news every Saturday night. That's where we actually get 30 minutes to just talk Titans. Toronto Davenport's on that show. Mark Mariani's on that show. It's a fun show.
1: WKRN, Channel 2 here in Nashville. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Thank you. you. Shout out to the fine folks who grace this podcast with their presence with a really good conversation today. I thought, on Sarah Fuller and all things Tennessee Titans, the pettiness of head coach Mike Vrabel, a lot that we got to with Joe Rexrode and Emily Proud, a lot that we have to get to, uh, well, maybe not a lot, but at least five good minutes on the college football playoff rankings because the second iteration will be released tonight before uh, or long after, I'm sure, that you've heard this podcast, the second iteration of these rankings will have been released, and I have strong opinions on them. But not necessarily in the manner with which you might think. Before we get to five good minutes, I'm going to tell you about the people who present the Zoom line here on the podcast. That's the fine folks at Tame the Beast. Getbeast.com is where you go to customize your own beast box for yourself, your loved ones, the people in in your life, not in your knife, but in your life who need to smell better. GetBeast.com, use the promo code BEAST2020, the BEAST boxes, the aforementioned BEAST boxes. You can get ones that they have customized for your purchasing perusal. You can create your own with a variety of different products that they have available, personal grooming products, personal care and grooming products that they have for 20% off using that promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast. I don't go anywhere without it. I make sure my dop kit when I'm on the road covering Titans games, and I've been to a couple uh, here lately, which is a nice, refreshing change of pace from covering these things on my couch in the year of the Rona. It's been good to get out to Baltimore and Indianapolis and hopefully a few more road games to come as long as the Rona cooperates. Regardless, what will cooperate is that promo code online at GetBeast.com, promo code BEAST2020. All right, so I, ha- I went back and forth with the 5 Good Minutes subject matter this week because I struggle on Tuesdays, especially this time of year, because there's always a primetime show on Tuesday night. It's always about an hour after the college football playoff rankings, the latest ones, the official ones, get released. And I know that there is a large contingent of you who care about these college football playoff rankings. And I struggle with this because truly deep down at the core of my soul, I could not possibly care less until the games are finalized and we know who's playing whom. Like there's just not a lot of excitement in it for me. But why I struggle is because I know that you guys care and it's not my job to talk about the things that I care about, but the things that you care about. This is your show. I'm just the one facilitating. And, and so on primetime, on 615, I struggle with the rankings in particular, but never more so than this year. Because as we've gone further and further into this college football season, like what has been made clear and obvious to all of us, not just me, and we knew it before, but never has it been so clear and obvious, uh, obviously laid out in front of us with how soaked in greed college athletics are i i, I don't know how much more bare it can be laid for you for people to realize and maybe you don't care that's that's okay like there's there's a part of me for as as unjust as, as i find the structure the business model of college sports yeah i still watch Indiana basketball i just watch them get their ass kicked by texas and it makes me makes me very angry but it's the it's the one thing that still gets me to feel that fandom aspect of it, and it's college sports, and it's unpaid labor, and I know it's wrong, but I watch it anyway because I love Indiana basketball. You guys feel that way about Tennessee, or maybe you're Alabama, or maybe you like Kentucky, whatever the case may be. But this year, where you don't know who's playing from week to week because they're playing in the middle of the global pandemic because of nothing other than greed, not for the fans not for the not for the college students, and I have heard the argument time and time again that they're safer on these campuses than they would be at the variety of different places across the country that some of them come from. I think that's a fair argument to be made. But I found myself this weekend, as there was no Tennessee football being played for COVID-related reasons, and is, you know... Indiana, uh, Indiana's quarterback, Michael Penix, is lost for the year with a leg injury that he suffered in the third quarter. And I just, I found myself in a spot where, you know, a lot of people have accused media members leading into this season of not, specifically in college, there was a lot of it in college, of media members actively rooting for college sports to not be played. And I thought that was absolutely ridiculous because these are, these are massive economies for all of us, media members, fans, stadium workers, whatever the case may be. Sports is a massive economy. Nobody is rooting for people to lose jobs. And then I I said to myself this weekend, man, I wish this college football season had never have been played. I really do. And that's an easy thing for me to say because my my job is not as closely tied to college football. We We talk some college around here. You guys care about it, so we try to make it. I try to actively integrate it into the stuff that I talk about. And that's fine. That'll always be a part of the show. But I just found myself so totally disinterested. And in this these, in these deformed, uh, mutated season where I'm looking at the college football playoff teams that are in the rankings, and I see 8-0 and Alabama, and I see 9-0 and Notre Dame, 8-1 Clemson. And then you get to the fourth-ranked team, and it's Ohio State. Ohio State has played four games. Ohio State has played four games because the Big Ten got talked out of football, got peer pressured back into football, and now is probably regretting their decision to play football in the first place because these games continue to get canceled. People, players, coaches, staffers continue to get sick. And it's just, especially this time of year when we see the cases spiking the way that they are. And I know you guys are so tired of COVID talk. I promise, I promise you. I am too, but I just could not give less of a damn about college football this season, and I really wish it never would have happened. And maybe that gives people fuel for uh, those that would say that there are media members actively rooting against sports from happening. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what's happening to me here, but I find myself just so, I don't think it could go any worse than it is now, and the NFL's starting to get some of this too or you I mean the NFL is bending over backwards to make sure that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens can play the Pittsburgh Steelers cuz they know there's money to be made on that game. It's not about player safety, it's not about player wellness, it's not about any of this stuff, it's just about the money and that's what that 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 greed that's just so blatant and obvious to us, never more so than this year that just totally soaks everything that we're doing in sports right now. It's really taken a lot of shine off of things that I might otherwise enjoy, and I hate that, and I hate that i hate i ha- I hate you know, and maybe if you don't feel that way, maybe this is a hugely you know maybe you think i'm I'm f- fear porn trafficking, or maybe you think that I'm uh one of these people like like I mentioned that was rooting against sports to happen i don't I don't know if you've been around here long enough, I feel like you know that's not true, but at this point. The college football playoff rankings, the second iteration of it, is going to be announced tonight, and I just, I'm trying to figure out a way to get myself to care. And the only reason to care is because I care about the people involved, that this COVID, uh, this, this disease continues to run roughshod over university campuses, especially after the holidays. And, you know, the ball just keeps on rolling. The money just keeps on going in, and the television contracts need to be satisfied, so here we are. Uh, the holiday season, the giving season, except it's the giving season of the Rona from one college football program to another. Five good minutes here on the 615 Sessions that turned into a little bit longer, but you know, I had a little bit more to say today. I don't know. I, 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 I really do struggle with it. Anyway, I don't want to spend any more time on it because we we've done a good show. There's been uplifting moments. There's been depressing moments. There's been funny moments. Shout out Mike Vrabel for hating us <laughs> here on the 615 Sessions podcast. What you will not hate. Uh, coming up on Thursday is Diana Rossini, ESPN's, one of ESPN's great NFL reporters. She has been covering a lot of Titans football this season. She was in Indianapolis with us on Sunday. She will join me, and she's also been a part of these Mike Rabel Zoom, so I'm sure she has opinions on it. She'll be on the pod on Thursday. We'll also have our buddy Matthew Barker from Two Rivers Ford to talk about the Drive the Music initiative. A lot of good conversations on the horizon as we ramp up between two This matchup between two very, very good AFC teams, the Tennessee Titans and the Cleveland Browns here in Nashville on Sunday. So subscribe, rate, review, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Remember that you can slide in my DMs on Instagram at BuckRising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. That's how you spell my last name. Slide in my DMs. A couple of you have already left questions for this week's Music City Mailbag. We'll do that on the Thursday podcast, as is our tradition it is also our tradition to tell you that in the meantime, before the Thursday pod, I need you to stay safe, I need you to stay clean, and I need you to stay hot in Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com.